Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. On the church calendar, today is known as the second Sunday in Christmas. That liturgical season lasts for 12 days, starting with Christmas Day itself, and suspect that that is the origin of that song that we often hear in this time of the year. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, and so forth. Just in case you're concerned about how much you spent for the recent holiday, I did look up what the latest estimate is for what all of those gifts would cost in today's dollars, and it's slightly more than $179,000. So I hope that offers at least a bit of encouragement to you when your credit card statements arrive in the coming days. The scripture reading we heard today is often part of our Christmas observance as well. The main characters in it appeared in our children's pageant that took place here in the sanctuary, and they also happen on the street for the DPC dad's drive through nativity. And yet the reality is that the events Matthew describes, and Matthew's the only one who tells us about these events, they actually form the basis for the season of Epiphany, which starts on Thursday. Epiphany is that time of the year when we celebrate how the good news spread outside of the region of Bethlehem. And our text tells us of the very first ones from beyond that community who heard the news. Matthew calls them wise men, travelers who came from the east following a star and when the star stopped over Jerusalem, they began asking, where can we find the one who has been born king of the Jews? And when Herod gets that message, he brings the wise men into his presence. He asks them about this star that they have been following. And then after they leave, he, he brings in the Jewish religious experts to learn from them where their scripture says that the Messiah is to be born. He brings the wise men back, he passes on what he has heard, and then he tells them to go and seek the child, and when they have found him, he says, let me know, so that I too may come and pay him homage. And yet after they find the infant and present the gifts, we are told that those wise men, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, return by a different route. That scene and Matthew's description of it is filled with a sense of both wonder and mystery and questions. But where did those men come from? 
What was the nature of that star that brought them to a certain point and stopped and then continued on and stopped again over Bethlehem? We're not really sure about their profession, about their name, or even how many wise men there were. All we know is that there were three gifts. And even though the hymn that will close this service speaks of three kings from the Orient, Matthew doesn't tell us any of those things. What we see instead is what launches the very first pattern of giving presents at Christmas as Mary and Joseph were the first recipients. It wouldn't surprise me, too, if that couple didn't also launch another tradition of this time of the year, namely that of returning or exchanging those gifts. As gold and frankincense and myrrh really wasn't very practical for a family now trying to take care of a child, and thus I suspect or wouldn't be surprised if they didn't take those treasures and in fact convert them into coins that could help them feed and care for this child. The Bible doesn't tell us. And yet what it does say is that upon seeing the child that those men fell down and paid him homage, demonstrating that that gift that they brought And this child that had evoked it was filled with great meaning. In their best moments, the gifts that we give or receive have the same kind of impact. To be sure, there are times when gifts are given out of a sense of obligation or or panic. Sometimes gifts are given simply as a matter of fun. And yet, in their purest forms, The gifts that we give or receive are meant to demonstrate love or affection, the importance of that person to us and something that we hope will bring them joy. In other words, when the gifts serve their most intentional purpose, they are filled with meaning both for the giver and for the recipient. We see that in these visitors from the East. For even though they didn't know much about who this child was, their resolve to meet him was clear. As they traveled a great journey, they stopped to ask for directions when they got close and couldn't find him. They fell down to revere the child, and they presented the gifts. For it was a deeply meaningful journey for them. And surely for Mary and Joseph, it held that kind of impact too. And yet to think about those gifts is something that we have come to learn in the years since, that they held all kinds of other significance too. In pointing to the nature of this child and what in fact he would bring to humankind. As the gold was an appropriate gift for a king. And this child would become a sovereign unlike any other, one who would reign forever. The frankincense 
was used in burnt offerings in the temple. It had an aromatic smell to it. And it revealed that this child would be both priest and sacrifice, one who is worthy of our worship too. And the myrrh it's t- as well, it had a pleasing smell, and among its other purposes, it was used for embalming in that era, which allowed it to point to the future for this child, who would give his life for you and me, one who would forever change the nature of death. There is no way the wise men understood all of that significance. They were Gentiles. They were not responding to the promise of a Messiah. But they brought these gifts, and the meaning of them expanded beyond what they could even imagine. I think that's true of our gifts, too. There are these moments when we offer or receive gifts and really don't know fully the impact, even if the the person expresses thanks to us in that instant of unwrapping, even if we get a nice handwritten thank you note later, we don't always know of the impact of our gifts, and yet still we give. At Christmas and other times too, trusting that there will be meaning for the recipient. This past week, our daughter and her six-month-old son and I made a quick trip to North Carolina to visit my mother. Mom now lives in a care facility in Davidson. And during the long months of the pandemic, it has clearly affected her, both in her memory and her ability to communicate what she is thinking. All to a degree that I'm not really sure she knew who these three visitors from Pennsylvania were. Still, she was excited to see us. She continues to be in a positive frame of mind. She was ready to go with us when we suggested that we might head out for lunch. And yet, over the course of our time with her, with rare exception, She was only able to give a single-word answer to any question that we might have posed. Now, my siblings, all who live closer to where she resides now, had told me that that was the pattern of where Mom was right now. But still, it was a sad thing for both of us to see this once vibrant woman who once was a high school English teacher who had now struggled to communicate what she was thinking Uh, if if even those thoughts were clear to her. It's something that I know many of you have experienced too with loved ones. So we took her to lunch at a favorite restaurant. She she ate it all. She clearly fussed over her great-grandson, even though I'm not sure she knew who, who the connection with him. She kept saying, this was really the longest phrase that she used in our whole visit, she kept saying, he is such a precious baby. After the lunch, we took her back to her community, and we, we returned to the room where, where other residents typically would gather. I, I helped her from her wheelchair to a couch, 
I sat down next to her and I put my arm around her and, and told her goodbye, told her what a wonderful mother she has been. And, and the emotions clearly caught in my eyes. And at one point, she turned and looked at me with sort of a puzzled expression and then put her hand on my cheek. Did she know who I was or who she is to me? While I certainly hope she did, even if she did not understand that meaning, it was a gift for me that will endure forever. Yesterday, our world began a new year. And along with all the other things that will happen in the next 12 months, I am confident that there will be these moments of a divinely orchestrated encounter for all of you as well. And sometimes it will come in these tangible gifts that we give or receive, but I think far more often it will happen in those human encounters that will fill the days and weeks ahead, times when we receive these gifts that will prove to be a blessing to us as well. And so it's in anticipation of that reality that I'd like to share with you an ancient Christian tradition that I actually only learned about uh, in recent days. Now, some of you may have noticed when you're walking into the sanctuary today, a sign something looked like this that was over all of the doors. And on this sign, in my handwriting, in case you're wondering, you will see this 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 22. Now, this isn't some mathematical equation, but instead it is apparently an ancient church custom that is intended to offer a blessing for a new year. For the two numbers, when joined together, indicate the year that has just begun. The plus sign found throughout is meant to symbolize the cross, while the letters CMB either represent the traditional names for the wise men, Caspar, Melchior, or Balthazar, something that became part of Christian lore in the seventh century. It's not attested to in the Bible. Or some will view it as the Latin phrase, Christus, Mansionem, Benedicat, which means Christ bless this house. So, at the end of the service today, I will be standing over here at this door and use a prayer found in our Book of Common Worship that's for what is known as the chalking of the doors, in which people are encouraged with chalk to put those same letters and symbols over the door going into their home or their place of worship and then offer a prayer. I want to offer that prayer now as well. But before I do, say that if in fact 2022 even approximates what we're asking for in these words, that it will be 12 months that hold meaningful gifts for us all. Here are these words. 
God of doors and homes, bless this home this year and every year. Bless all who come and go through this door, both those who live here and those who visit. May all who enter this door come in peace and bring joy. May all who come to this door find welcome and love. May the love and joy in this home overflow and spread into the community and the world. And may Jesus the Christ watch over us all. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.